welcome to the Once Blind Podcast, your host, Carlos. What's going on, Once Blind? Welcome back. This is Carlos. Going to be on the spiritual abuse topic. I know that me and my brother Kevin covered a bunch of things in the episode that we had done together, but I wanted to talk about other things. So just really recapping... We started off talking about Titus and Timothy giving the formula, if you may, or the standards of what a pastor is supposed to be characteristics that a pastor should be following or having in him already. And that didn't mean that people who stumble or struggle, you know, in the sense of something that happens here and there, uh, I know uh, a phrase is once in a blue type of mentality. It's the people who live in it. And we used anger for the easy one because uh, they use their anger and their position to really bully and abuse people. And because they're in this position, they're not held to the standard that normal people would be held to. So they get away with it, and they know that they are getting away with it, and they know that their behavior is atrocious, but they still choose to do so because, hey, I'm pastor. Who are you going to go to? Well, my brother, leave. There's so many churches in this country. Don't put up with that stuff. Another thing that we talked about is pastors who know for a fact that they're just trying to use you to fill a spot, and they say that God told them, that you were going to be in that spot. And now here's the thing. This is where it gets kind of dangerous because God spoke to prophets and those prophets then spoke to kings or other people. And God also spoke directly to people. So I don't want you to say, hey, you know what? All pastors are liars. No, I would say whatever this pastor or elder whoever is telling you that they think god or they well if they think god then they definitely don't know it's god but if they're going to say that god told them or the holy spirit told them that you should do something you should take that to your prayer closet go home and talk to god about it and let god confirm it in a different way because see that's one thing the prophets did the prophets proved that it was from god because they would say something that uh, would happen very soon you know, he would prophesy something real soon and then later on give the bigger prophecy. There were so many different examples in the Bible. But because today we were dealing with a different type of person, there is no reverence for God with a lot of these so-called pastors that they're willing to use God's name for their own gain or for whatever it is that they're trying to get you to do. So whatever you hear, if it's a pastor or, or an elder that you trust, before you jump to conclusions, take that to your prayer closet, take that to, to God and then see and ask God, confirm this for me, kind of like Gideon did. And, and the funny thing is, is that Gideon was spoken to directly and he still had to test it to make sure it was from God. So take his example, do that. Another thing we talked about was pulpit darts and being a victim of pulpit darts and watching Pulpit darts, I, like I said, I had conversations with pastors. We discussed something, and then they would use that as fuel to talk about that person within their next sermon, uh, not directly, but throwing what we say uh, indirectives, so that then 
that person would know, oh, you know, oh, uh, I guess this is God talking to me. Oh, I'm, I'm no, it was a conversation that he didn't have the biscuits to tell you himself in person. So he used his platform to abuse you and to manipulate you into doing what he wanted or into doing or, or, or for him to tell you off because, you know, don't, don't get it twisted. You know, <laughs> we may not curse when we tell people off from the pulpit, <laughs> but it happens all the time. And I've seen it. And I mean, again, it, it's, it's atrocious. But what I wanted to talk about, you know, was oh, it, it, it's such a scary issue because, you know, the pastor's held to a higher standard, right? The pastor is literally, okay, the guy who's supposed to help you. You see, the pastor, and I, I said this then, is the bottom of the totem pole, right? Uh, he's the bottom of the pyramid. It's an upside-down pyramid, so everything goes up. The pastor serves the flock. And at the same time of serving the flock, that's how he serves God. But the issue is, is that, to give an example, is if they're not pulpit darting, what they do is, is they take a topic, right? And now, the easiest way is for those who are, what are those, um, prosperity teachers, right? They tell you, give God, and God will give you tenfold by taking scripture completely out of context. And that's easy to spot for those who actually read the Bible. But what's going on now is, or not now, it's been going on for centuries. It's just something to be aware of today. With so many churches, it happens so much more often. Is a pastor who then takes a portion of scripture with another portion of scripture with another portion of scripture and in their spots it's not necessarily that they're pulling them completely out of context but the message that they're trying to pass on isn't something that god gave them it's something that they are putting together to meet their narrative so that they can get from you what they want from you case in point and this is what's going to point it out. So a couple of days ago, someone had sent me a PowerPoint of a message that a so-called pastor taught. Uh, this pastor, I actually kind of know a little bit about, let's say. And what happens was, or what happens was, what happened was that he took this sermon of his. And he mentioned, the first thing that he mentioned was... Actually, you know what? I'm going to pull it up because I don't want to mess this up. It is in here in my phone. But again, before I even get started on that, he wanted to paint a picture that was going to benefit him because he was losing control of those around him. He needed to gain control. And how better to gain control of people than to say, hey, this is a message from God. God is the one that told me to do this. So what it said here was, what is the church's responsibility to those who serve as leaders? So the sermon is, what is your responsibility to me, the teacher? What is your responsibility to me, the teacher? If that's not egotistical, I, I really don't know what is. But let's say, let's just say he was, you know, teaching on something for people to know what they can do as part of the body. 
But see, already this is basically saying in nice words, you know, in proper words. It's like people from the South who say, bless your heart, but you know, <laughs> you know that's not what they mean. Either way. So what I'm reading here is not what the church's responsibility to those who serve as leaders. It's what you're supposed to do for me as your leader. Okay. And the first one is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Pray for those who lead. But we should pray for everyone in the flock. So in, in reality, there's, there's really nothing wrong with the first point. We should pray not only for those that lead, but those who are in leadership, those who rule over you, those who, who are under, aside, anywhere. We should pray for all people. Okay. Follow their example of faith. Follow their example of faith. Now, Hebrews 13.7 isn't necessarily just saying follow their example of faith. You see, it's follow their example. So Peter said, now I'm sorry, not Peter, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? We should imitate Christ. We, we should. Our, our example is Christ. But now here's the thing. Peter also told people what not to do. So Peter had to have been living a life contrary to what he thought was wrong. Like, again, he couldn't do what he thought was wrong because that would be hypocrisy. So the example that we're supposed to follow is assuming that that person is doing what's right in the sight of God, according to the Bible, matches the Bible. This does not mean that if I'm the leader and I say, hey, guys, you know what? I think we should walk the streets every day and tell people Jesus loves them, right? Not that that's a bad idea, not that I think that's a horrible thing, but not everyone is meant to be an evangelist. Everyone should evangelize. Not everyone is meant to be an evangelist. What I mean by that is, is that we as evangelists should be proclaiming the word to everyone we know, okay? With actions, but specifically with words. We should be proclaiming the gospel. We should be proclaiming Christ. As ambassadors, that is our job. But not everyone is meant to walk the streets. That's evangelism, but it's also a different part of evangelism. It's not the whole picture of evangelism. So how... You go ahead and do that, fine. That's good for you. I don't need to do that just because you do that, okay? You decided, hey, you know what? We're going to eat tacos today. Oh, well, you know what? You should follow my example. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't have to follow your example. It's the example of faith. It's the example of what you believe. Now, if what you believe is contrary to the Bible, then I'm sorry, no. That's not it. Because, see, we can go back to what I did just the other day in Acts 4, where he said, is it lawful for me to listen to you or listen to God? And what would God think of me listening to you rather than listening to him? 
So what you did is you created a contradiction by trying to use that to manipulate your church to following whatever you think you guys should be doing as a church. But see, if it's not Bible, they don't have to follow that. If the picture that you're painting, okay, isn't something that they see in Scripture, then they have to make a choice. Now, this is where I agree. If you go to a church, and this is the type of pastor that you have, okay, and you choose to follow this type of person, then shut up and follow them or leave. Or, more importantly, have the discussion, like grown people. You see, you know what got me in most trouble with most pastors that I've had to deal with? is when I disagreed with something, I was open enough to talk to them about it. And because they're not used to people actually having an idea, actually having a heart, a mind, uh, an understanding of the Bible, that when I disagreed with them, they would get angry and they would get upset and then they'd try to pull rank on me. But see, Jesus wasn't a respecter of men. I'm not a respecter of men. Now I do have authorities and if I choose my authority, Christ is my authority, then I am going to submit myself to Christ. If I am going to a certain church, I will submit myself to that authority till I feel that they're going against the Bible, till I feel that they're trying to abuse me. The last place that I left, okay, it was a matter of I didn't agree with how they were trying to please everyone. No, you can't have an argument and both be right. You can't have an argument with, with no, it just doesn't happen. You can't please everyone. And when I chose to walk away from that, what I got wasn't a, okay, I understand you don't agree with me. I understand my type of leadership isn't something that you see as biblical. Go your way. No, what I got was slander, backstabbing. I got telling people to stop talking to me, shouldn't talk to me. We're not friends, so you can't be friends with him. It's kind of like, you know, you're five years old and you're at the playground and it's like, well, I don't want to play with that person, so don't play with them either. And quite frankly, for those that chose to listen, by all means, this is why he's telling you in a couple ones later, listen to your authority. And that's the problem here as I go on. So... Obey those who rule over you. At the end of the day, you see, I choose to live in this country. So I chose this government to be my authority. The police in this country to be my authority. And if I don't like them, then I can leave. Because I'm free to leave. But wherever I go, there's going to be someone of authority. There's always going to be someone of authority. And again, I am under the authority of Christ and I have no problem because he is perfect. Now, are other people, oh, and by the way, that scripture is uh, Hebrews 13, 17. So right in the same chapter from the last point that this pastor was passing on. So again, I choose my authority. I, I was born in, in a different country moved into this country, if I don't like it, if I don't like the authority that I have above me, then I can leave. Does that mean I'm going to disagree? Okay, yes, I'm going to disagree. 
But at the end of the day, I have to submit. As long as it doesn't go against the Bible. Or if I feel I don't like it or this authority isn't for me, then I move. I go home or go here or go there, go wherever I have to go. I take a job. If I don't like the way my boss is treating me, I quit and go somewhere else. So what's the difference with church? If I don't agree with what you're doing, I don't see it being biblical, and you choose, I bring it to your attention, and you're saying no, then I go somewhere else. I don't need to be anywhere. And this is what I'm telling you guys. Then when you see these types of signs and you see this type of person as a leader, then you make your choice. If you choose to stay underneath that type of tyranny, then go ahead. But if you feel like, hey, I, I should be free in my walk, then go somewhere. You can try to talk to a person, a pastor or whatever they call themselves, and you can try, you can try to say, hey, this is wrong, and they can make the choice. But if they say no, they're not going to change because whatever reason they want to pick, then don't try to change the person. Let God do that. Go away. Go somewhere else. Trust me. It's going to be fine. As long as you always remember who's the authority. And if this person, and I want you to understand this, if this person is a person of authority that they put themselves in, right? and they are using God's name to abuse that authority over you, don't you seek revenge. Let God have his revenge. Let God deal with them. Okay. Though many places that I've been to, I've experienced spiritual abuse, I've been able to walk away and allow God to deal with them. And however God chooses to deal with them, then that's between them and God because I exit myself out of the picture. So again, you're teaching from the pulpit the whole authority thing. Yeah, that's, that's great. And that is Bible. We should, we should, okay, submit unto the authority that is given to us. I gave you the example of government. I gave you the example of job, okay? Number one authority above my life is Christ. Anywhere I go to from there, it, it's a choice. If I don't agree with that type of authority, I go somewhere else. So my brothers and sisters, if you're in a place like that and you feel these conversations aren't going anywhere, then leave. There's plenty of places to go. And the cool thing about Christ is that he's omnipresent. He's not just at that building. And you're going to lose associates because in reality you shouldn't lose friends. Right? You shouldn't lose brothers and sisters. If they truly are your brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter where you go, you're still going to have a relationship. So if you're afraid that you're going to lose the, the camaraderie of brother and sister with people that you have there that you love, if they truly are that, it's never going to change. And they'll understand, oh, they had a disagreement and they'll go their way. Right? Or you might find out who they are by them joining into the slandering of your name. Because trust me, that, that person who calls himself a pastor is going to slander and lie about you. Because he's not going to say that you disagreed with him. He's going to say horrible things because he needs to look right. Again, going back to gaining control. 
Next one was be glad and rejoice with them. And Philippians, yes, 2, 17, 18. It does say, it does say that you should rejoice with your rulers. You should rejoice with the people. You see, because if they're doing it right, right, if we're talking about leaders and pastors of the church, if they're doing it right, everyone should be rejoicing. Everyone. Because you're all on one accord. You see, it's not that you won't go through hardships, because in Acts, you had hardships, right? Peter and John, we just went over this. They were in jail. They got beat up. They came out. They told their story. And they didn't start a pity party. They were rejoicing. And they were asking for God to give them even more boldness to continue to do the work that they were doing. So if it's being done right, if, if, if everything between the relationship of whoever's in authority and you is right, then yeah, you should rejoice with them. But it's not only you rejoice with them, they should be rejoicing with you. But see, in context, we're, we're, we're not talking about just, you know, hey, okay, I, I'm happy, you're happy, oh, we're all happy. Oh, he, he, he did something against me. Oh, we need to be happy. No, no, no. It's assuming that the authority is doing what they're supposed to be doing. It does not mean that if the authority is living in sin or doing something sinful or doing some spiritual abusing that you're supposed to smile and say, okay, do it again. That's not what the scripture says. Note their pattern of good works. This goes back to following the example. Okay, so in reality, Philippians 3, 3.17 should just really be something used to back up Hebrews uh, 13.7. And it's noting their pattern, right? Noting what they're doing. Um, it, it's kind of like this. So a person that you put in authority, you, you see them and they're living a certain life. And, and every life has a pattern. Every life, you're, you're basically kind of doing the same thing. And if that pattern matches what the Bible says, and hey, yeah, you should you should try to match that. You you should, you know, because if it's working for them and it's helping their work with God, or their work their work for God, right? Then it's something you should follow. And if it's a good work, that means it's for God because God is the only one that is good. So the good work would be His or good deeds or so on and so forth. If they have a pattern of good works, then you should follow. But what is good works? So here, here's the thing, right? I went evangelizing with a pastor once. Actually, it was a group of us. We we took a bunch of young people out and we were evangelizing. And now, I, I as 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 a man with a group of young men, I would never walk up to a group of young ladies. Okay. It's all men. I would probably look at, okay, do we have girls in this group? And I would send the girls because we live in an age where men approaching women. Okay. Just doesn't look right. Men approaching women Okay, in a setting where we were out, it just looks like guys about to go and, you know, kick it with some girls. Okay, as a pastor and leader, right, I would never do that. And I would, I would never let young men see me by myself 
go up to a group of young ladies and start telling jokes and trying to be funny with them, flirting with them, because that's what that is, is flirting, because anyone who sees it on the outside is going to be like, well, why is he being a flirt? I would never do that, because I am the example. So in the evangelism aspect, yeah, that's good work, but my good work would have also been to be the example Okay, to not take advantage of a group of young ladies because I'm out there evangelizing. I'm going to go and tell jokes. Oh, by the way, I'm going to mention Jesus. Hey. Yeah, no. Okay. That's the problem. See, we, 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 we see people and they're doing half a good work. And then the other half is just like, nah, dude, you messed up. And then that's brought to your attention. You should be able to say, you know what? You're right. That probably wasn't the wisest or the smartest thing to do. But instead you fight back and argue. Should I follow that pattern? No, because see, I have my own convictions and I have my own issues. And I don't ever want to be accused of walking up to a group of young ladies. I also don't want the young men that now I'm in authority over to go and start doing that. Especially if they're minds aren't even on the things of God because the minute, and, and this is for context for the situation, because the minute we as a group saw that it's five of us and five of them and they're younger ladies, we were a little bit older maybe, for us to walk up to them and literally we'd have to walk out of our way to go talk to them. It's not like they were right in front of us. We would have had to have gone out of our way just to talk to them. Okay. If I'm going to talk to a single woman, my wife has to be with me because I have to be above reproach. I have to do things, as the Bible says, in a way where no one can, can misinterpret that situation. Okay. And as an ambassador of God, use that to talk crap about God. So I don't do things like that. But if you do, and I don't agree with that, I'm not going to follow that pattern of your good work. So again, you have pastors taking a message like I just took you to. You can go to Instagram if you want to see the whole um, PowerPoint, and you guys can kind of understand. So that is a message that was taught to gain control Okay, because in reality, listen, as as pastors, we need to understand one thing. We are not to be served. We are to serve. The point of having church on Sunday is to have a service towards God. We are helping others serve God. We are serving people to serve God. We're not in a position Okay, to lord over the authority given to us by God. Because though Jesus had full authority over his people, his children, his brothers, he never lorded it over them. And if we're going to say that we have to follow the example of someone, that someone should be Jesus, and you as a pastor should follow it even more. Even more. So tell me, when did Jesus lord it over them? No, no, he washed their feet. He served them. He gave his life for them. And the only time 
that you saw Jesus taking the position of authority over them is when he was teaching them. And even when he was teaching them, he was serving them because it's things that, things that they needed to know. So when you see a pastor taking a message and he's putting it together and putting it like this and this so that the message lifts him up, right? Puts him in the limelight or other leaders. Cause I didn't say me. I said leaders. Well, there's like three of you. Okay. Even if it was a bigger church and there was 20 of you, you're still talking about serving you. Their responsibility to you. What about your responsibility to them? Teach that. And see if you're meeting that. But again, when you guys step, because it's, it's not only there. There have been a couple places where I dealt with people who took the, the pulpit and used it for their own personal gain. It's not only the teachers who are prosperity gospels or or whatever gospels, give me your money gospel. No, 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 none of that. This happens in, in normal, quotation marks, normal churches where the message itself is being used to manipulate. Sometimes it has to do with trying to get people to do things. Sometimes it's to talk smack about a person that's in there somewhere, but they don't have the biscuits to talk to them directly and they want to throw in directives. But a lot of the time, right, this is why I enjoy expository teaching. But either way, this is why when, when you get to a topic and it seems like, hey, this, this topic, I mean, I can't really say that the scriptures that he used are out of context. I can't. But there's something wrong with the way he put them all together where he tweaked the context just enough. That's the kind of things that either you pull up to their attention and you talk to them about it. If you're under their authority, yeah, talk to them about it. And maybe, hey, maybe God is doing a work in them and then they'll realize that and they'll be able to humble themselves before God, not before you, but before God and change. But if not, leave. There's plenty of churches. Your Bible is the same in your home than it is when it's there. It doesn't change. Your relationship with Christ should not change because of what building you're at. Because your relationship with Christ is supposed to be personal anyways. Those are the types of things that, that you will see. And man, it breaks my heart when I hear people talk about, well, this message this. And, you know, I, I moved all the way to Canada because this message is this. And, and you know, I, oh, I became a missionary in a place where there's no, like, no. It's interesting. It is so interesting. Even these types of pastors that will talk about, hey, let's do a, an in-reach because it's not really an outreach, but hey, let's do an outreach, right? And no one shows up. You're the one that's there. And then if you try to say, hey, you know, this was your idea, pastor so-and-so. Oh, oh, I can't do everything. Well, yeah, no, you can't. Also, another thing is, is that if you're going to hand over a ministry, and this is a part of spiritual abuse as well, you have people who want to so-called put you in charge of different ministries, but then they want to micromanage everything you do. They want to be involved in every single thing you do. And now it doesn't mean that you don't, hey, hey, listen, this is, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. Does this meet and match the vision of the church? 
Yes, okay, then I will continue. Right? You, you should have that authority and allow the authority to know. But micromanaging everything, you, you handed it over, hand it over. Okay, and then when that person says, hey, listen, am, am I leading this ministry or you or like what's going on here? Don't be offended. And then get angry and, and start using your title to hurt these people. You see, and that's the sad part. I wish I could say I've only seen it at one place, and that's not the case. You know, I have to warn people. You're dealing with people. It's not always going to be great. If you feel that you can push through that and move on, then more power to you. If, if you don't feel, but see that my dilemma with spiritual abuse, especially this type that we're talking about today, is that when people get sick of it, when that last drop overflows the cup, people don't get mad at the person that they're mad at. Well, they take it out on God. They take it out on their relationship with Christ. It's almost like they were doing the work of the devil. Hmm. Is that what he meant by wolves in sheep's clothing? And no, listen, whether they're pastors, elders, Christians, or whatever, they're people, they're going to let you down. The spiritual abuse doesn't stop there. I've witnessed where people in positions of authority, authority since that's what we're using, have literally told people who to be friends with and who not to be friends with. I had one pastor tell me not to listen to a certain pastor because he thought that pastor was arrogant. That pastor is a phenomenal pastor. <laughs> one of the best teachers I've ever heard. And all it was is jealousy. Jealousy. I, I have to tell you, these are the things to watch out for. But do not allow them to be issues with you and Christ. Because Christ is not like that. And though they're supposed to be ambassadors of Christ, not everyone does a good job. Also think, how many times have we failed as ambassadors? How many times have we done something that we, like that, regretted? So mistakes will happen. So if a person makes a mistake, have enough grace and mercy for, for that person. Right? Because I, I tell you, I dealt, I dealt with a lot of these people for years, for months. For months especially. And I, and I, and I remember one place I, I wanted to leave months before because I just couldn't take any more of it. Then a certain situation happened, and I realized they're going to need more help. And I decided to stay a little bit longer, and, and all I did is hurt myself and my own family. You know, when God gives you the signals and the signs that, hey, this might not be a place for you, walk. Go somewhere else. Do home church for a season. Build yourself up. Allow yourself with your family to really you know, stand on that rock that we're supposed to be standing, that we singly stand on. And then from there, 
make your 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 decision prayerfully. Where to go? Where to be? Where can you serve as a community? Where can you think? Because I'm going to tell you right now, the problem that I deal with a lot of the time is that I, I know what the Bible says. And though a lot of people from the church, you know, the body, really, really like enjoy that, the conversations that we can have because we really go back and forth. But I, I, I can never allow myself to bend a little bit on it just because some man who calls himself a pastor tells me, yeah, you should bend here. You should bend there. Well, you got to understand this is for the greater good. No, I, I, I can't do that. I can't. So maybe that's my issue. I'm, not, I'm willing to change me. I'm not willing to change the Bible. I'm willing to fix me. I will never claim to want or think I can fix the Bible. Either God and his word is perfect, or I throw the whole thing out. So brothers and sisters, I know most of you have probably dealt with this and the other things that we dealt with. Little by little, we'll probably bring back different things that we see or different things that you guys may bring up. We may go live and be able to discuss this. But remember, the point of this isn't to say the churches, so-called churches, are horrible. It's to bring them to light, acknowledge them, take action, but do not allow these people to ruin your relationship with Christ. There is a saying, if Christ feels distance, who moved? Don't allow these people to move you away from Christ. Because you're mad at them, don't take it out on Christ. God bless you guys. Hey, by the way, like, share, comment, uh, all that good stuff. God bless you. Thank you for dropping by. Please remember to subscribe, to share, like, and to catch the next one.